Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. On the show today, I've got Mark Kellens. He's the VP of Content and Community at Drift, where he oversees content, creative, events, teams, and such. He also oversees the Drift community and Drift Insider, which is about 45,000 members today, as well as their two big events, Rev Growth and Hyper Growth. On the show today, we talk about their 2021 state of conversational marketing report. We'll talk a little bit about what conversational marketing is, how Drift approaches it, and how marketers need to be thinking about conversation as they build their marketing as well as their sales enablement functions. Drift, if you've heard that name before on this show, if you think back a couple of years, we actually had the CEO on, David Cancel, and they have a very unique brand. And so we talk about that and how Mark sees content, service, and education actually helping to drive their marketing efforts. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Mark Killens. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Alan. It's, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. We're going to have some fun conversation and why not start off with a little interesting nugget? I hear you invented a snowmaking machine. Is that right? That is true. Way back when I was Early days, middle school, I loved, still do, but I, I love snowboarding. And my family, we had a very small hill at our house. And I was like, man, it's so cool that they could make snow on the mountain. I'm sure I could figure out how to make snow at my house. And this was back in like late 90s when the internet was very, very immature. And I only found one other person who was really doing it and was sharing how they were doing it back in like 1998 and was able to get enough information to then replicate that. And that ended up turning into a small business for me. I actually worked for one of the biggest snowmaking companies in the world called HKD Snowmakers as an intern for many years. It was really interesting. That's pretty amazing. So is it real snow or is it like some chemical? I don't, I have no idea. I never lived anywhere where it snows a lot. <laughs> it's very easy to do. All you need is a water source with about 40 to 50 uh, PSI. That's the pressure of the water and about one and a half to two gallons per minute of that water coming out at 40 to 50 PSI. 
and you need an air compressor that compresses the air that super cools the air that super cools the water atoms. And once those things mix using simply a, a brass or copper tea, plumbing tea, you, you intercept that water at a 90 degree angle is the simplest way to do it or a 45 degree angle. It comes out a small hole that you can drill with a drill for, and use a pipe cap and you drill that hole in the pipe cap and the super cooled water coming out at this high velocity will atomize, will cool into ice, which then creates snow. And that's about it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. If this marketing thing doesn't work out, you can always fall back to snowmaking, right? I can. I actually love it. I actually want to eventually build a, a really sophisticated home snowmaking system uh, for a house uh, eventually and have a ski hill and do all the things. I think it'd be pretty yeah, it would cool. cool. <laughs> You'll have to look me up when you get that, get that in place. I'd love to test it out. <laughs> We could talk about snow all day, but we're here to talk about marketing and drift and what you're doing there. And I'm curious, like, what was your path from middle school making, inventing snow making machines to now VP of content and community at Drift? It's an interesting path. It's, it's probably like most people. I didn't, you know, go to school for marketing. I, I didn't know that I wanted to become like a marketer, if you will. But my first job out of college. Ironically, I was actually working at a, a ski resort for a very short amount of time and realized this probably wasn't going to pay the bills. And it was also right after Lehman Brothers collapsed. And I was like, man, this seems dicey. So what should I really be doing? And actually before that, I, I went to graduate school for like a hot second and dropped out right before, like literally the day before or so Lehman Brothers collapsed. And I was like, that's a blessing in disguise. But anyway, I was at this doing some snowmaking setup preseason at this mountain. And I was like, I got to find a real job. So I ended up joining a small startup in Massachusetts during then the recession that came to be right in 2008 and then nine, I quickly was tasked with figuring out how to help the business continue to grow. So I went to Google, typed in how to generate more leads. And guess what came up? HubSpot, of course, because HubSpot was a burgeoning, fast growing startup at the time. And they were a marketing, you know, company startup that was focused on helping people use the arbitrage opportunity of search and then soon to be social to attract people you know to your business through this inbound motion this inbound marketing motion so found hubspot long story short it was very successful with the business it helped us really grow the business during the great recession i fell in love with the whole concept of inbound marketing and hubspot the culture the identity of the company Ended up joining HubSpot with the idea of saying, look, HubSpot is hopefully going to make it big one day. It's going to really need to educate the market and raise the brand awareness around this concept of inbound marketing and inbound sales and all these things. And that ended up landing me at we're on the marketing team at HubSpot through this creation of a brand called HubSpot Academy. That's a claim to fame at HubSpot, which then at the time... I got to know David and Elias really well at HubSpot. We became friends. And then eventually after meeting things at HubSpot, I decided it was time to make the next move, help all these people at HubSpot take the next leap. If I were to leave, they were going to get all this you know, great you know, promotions and, and have this great opportunity. And I basically accomplished a lot of things I wanted to accomplish. So I said, I, I'm going to leave. I'm going to join David and Elias on this next quest to build an, the, another version of marketing, a new version of marketing called conversational marketing, conversational sales, and now conversational commerce. And I've been at Drift for almost three years now. That's very cool. And how unique is it that you land at a, a company like HubSpot that's changing the function of marketing to some degree, and now you've done it again. <laughs> You're at Drift do it, doing the same thing. That's a, a unique journey, two in a row. 
let's talk a little bit about Drift. So you recently, I think what hit my radar is you and at Drift and Heinz Marketing recently published a 2021 State of Conversational Marketing Report. What should we know about the report? We love doing a lot of original research at Drift. It's definitely part of our content strategy. So we've done this study for four years now. So we have a lot of data, as you can imagine, pre-pandemic and then post-pandemic, or you know, I guess we're still in the pandemic, but post it's starting. And what we found is that companies are leaning really hard into the digital buying experience and how to create better buying experiences, predominantly now through the digital channels and their websites. And Drift's philosophy, number one, is we put the buyer at the center of everything. So we have a very buyer-first buyer-centric approach to how we build our products, how we help our customers use our, our products, how we think about the ecosystem at large, how we think about our go-to-marketing. All things put the buyer and the customer at the center of all of our decisions and our brand. Conversational marketing, what we've learned from the study over time, has really just accelerated in the adoption because it helps people connect with their buyers and customers in a very authentic way that is on the buyer's terms. That's the beauty of conversational marketing and sales. You connect with buyers and you personalize the buying experience through how they want to engage on the channel they want to engage, the right time in terms of when they want to engage, and then like how they want to engage. Is it through chat? Is it through video? Is it through email? Is it through a phone call or voice? All of those things can be used as part of the holistic conversational marketing and sales strategy. So it's really about putting the buyer at the center of everything. And what we found is that is exactly what marketers are trying to do more and more these days. And it's actually having a tremendous impact on the bottom line of businesses. That makes sense. And I appreciate the kind of definition of conversational marketing and frankly, that it's on the buyer's terms, which means it's whatever channel that you need to be in that conversation and to have a good conversation with your buyers or potential buyers. So that was great. I'm curious if anything stood out to you pre-COVID and now from the report. I'm curious if you saw an acceleration of needing to use digital marketing tools and techniques to, to reach their buyers. So 58% of the folks surveyed, and this was about a 500 you know, person survey. That's how many people responded across a wide swath of business sizes. Most businesses were 50 employees and above, but it was evenly distributed between SMB, mid-market, and enterprise uh, across you know, all marketing levels, evenly distributed as well across many industries. 58% adopted a conversational marketing solution in response to COVID-19. And then the most interesting on that note is 45% of all those people that responded, their engagement rates increased during the pandemic, which is okay. That, that kind of makes sense. That kind of makes sense. Engagement would, would tend to go up because you're moving to a digital channel. So I actually think I'm surprised from that metric that it wasn't a little bit higher. 45% said engagement went, went up. So that's something to dig into where it's why didn't engagement go up across the board, considering that most of B2B buying today has to be done or had to be done through a digital channel for the first six to 12 months of the pandemic. What this helped businesses do and what it helps businesses do right now, we have a ton of customer stories I could go into, is it's helping not the marketing team 
only, it's helping the sales team be more productive. It's conversational marketing and sales. The beautiful thing about it is it naturally tries to align the marketing and sales functions. So you're trying to create more pipeline more efficiently because we take this philosophy of putting the buyer first, which means we think about who's coming to your website, who's coming that's interested potentially in what you have to offer. Where are they coming from? And where are they in the buying journey? So we, that, those are the next two or three things we consider. And then what we take into account in terms of how we really help customers be successful with this is we ask what page or what are they looking at when they come to visit your business on your website? So when you take the who, you take the where and you take the what and you combine those things together to give you the full picture, the context you need to then personalize what the buyer, what the visitor sees and how to best then engage with them. That's how we approach this. And it's a really unique way. We call it this conversational framework, if you will. And we use those things to then engage, understand the buyer and then recommend the next best action, the next best step for the buyer. So I wanted to just unpack that a little bit, Ellen, because I think it's important when you think about these stats are great, but if you don't if you don't take a, a, an approach like that or have some type of strategy backing up your use of conversational marketing and sales, it could still be effective, but we really pride ourselves on helping our customers and just the general B2B marketing and sales space really understand how to use it. Because at the end of the day, like you said, this is a transformative type of go-to-market motion where you're really meeting the buyers where they are. Tell me a little bit more about Drift's approach. You talk about starting with the buyer and, and on their terms and where they want to reach you. And you just described a little bit more about that. But like when I hear the term, I think of automation and your point that you just made a minute ago about this actually helps sales and marketing both be more productive. Tell me a little bit more about how that takes place. Because one of the other things we've, we found in the survey definitely makes sense is the rise of artificial intelligence. And so what we're trying to do at Drift2 with our solutions and our platform is we're trying to ultimately get the marketer and the seller to be closer to the buyers and customers. Because what we believe is we believe that technology has actually created a, a dissonance uh, between those groups of people. Because now we're so focused on implementing the tool or the technology, managing it and maintaining it, optimizing it. All of these things that actually distract us from talking to the customer, meeting them where they are, learning more about them, helping them buy, focusing our time on the most, I don't want to say qualified because that does matter, but the most uh, high potential, the buyers with the highest intent, right? Focus on the people that need our help the most at the right time. That technology in many ways has, has caused a lot of our jobs to be tacticians, if you will. So what we're trying to do at Drift with everything we build is really give time and power back to the marketer and seller, just like the rise of the commercial internet, just like the rise of mobile and the rise of then the, the messaging platforms built on mobile have given so much power to the buyer. We're trying to empower the marketer and the seller with intelligence so we can help them understand how to best action things that the buyers are or maybe are not yet doing within their marketing and sales. So for example, we help the sales folks prioritize who to reach out to and even how to reach out to them in some ways, because we're giving the sales team insights and intelligence 
on the key accounts and the key people at those accounts that are visiting their website in real time. And if they can't act on it in real time, we'll give them the full list and the prioritized list to come back to the next day to then follow up with those people and follow up with them in the right channel, with the right message, with the right type of context that they need. So we're just trying to really empower those people to get closer to the buyers and customers that are like really asking for their help. And if they're not directly asking for their help, we're giving the buyer and the customer then the power to navigate the website, to find the right piece of content, to understand how to get in touch with someone, to ask a question and get a quick response through that power of that engage, understand, recommend framework and through the power of of conversational AI. The conversational AI piece really is taking the notion of engage, understand, recommend, and unpacking it using our using this patented technology we have to use the explicit things, explicit keywords that people are, are saying and dissecting those into topics and clusters to understand their intent, to then serve up the right next best thing, that, that recommendation, the next best action for that person who's looking to get something done. So it can be human driven, it could be AI driven, but at the end of the day, it's about using the power of all of this data that comes from having conversations with people to be at the advantage or to to give the advantage both to the buyer and to the seller at the same time. So they can meet at the middle, meet at the right time. Can you elaborate maybe on how, like how um, leading organizations are making this happen? Like take me as a B2B buyer, right? I'm going to go to a website you just mentioned when I go hit the website, you're, the sellers inside the company will get alerted potentially in real time or the next day if it's queued in another way. And then from a marketing standpoint, am I defining the conversational points or is Drift setting me up to, to say, here are the things that people are going and asking questions about? And then I build my marketing or intent pieces around that. Help me think about how do I integrate? What does marketing look like in the conversational commerce? We first like really deeply partner with our customers to understand how they're going to market. So we really understand their marketing and sales functions, their teams, how they're set up, how they're bringing product to market, like all of these different things. And we take that and we say, okay, great. How can we use a conversational approach within that current setup they have? And how could that current go-to-market setup be refined, be made to be a little bit more efficient and be more buyer-centric and first using conversational marketing and sales? So for example, Adobe is one of our customers. Adobe is a huge business. And we're over time deploying Drift to more of Adobe's web properties. They have so many different web properties. But basically, Adobe needed some way to more personalize the customer journey. And they realized that engagement with their buyers and customers that come to the website is is so important these days. It's like, it's a brand touch point, it's a brand interaction. And how can we get a little more engagement from all of these millions of visitors that are coming to adobe.com to guide them through the buying process, to help them find questions on their own, to find the right solutions. So what we tried to do is we tried to help them understand how they could integrate their data into Drift. We integrate with all the leading CRMs and marketing automation systems, including Adobe Marketo. And we really tried to figure out how to best use that context, all that data that they have, all that first-party data. And 
what we did was we then took that proactive uh, approach. We, we greeted people when they came to the website with a highly personalized message based off of all that data that was then being fed into Drift and then Drift feeds it back into these other systems for teams to use in action. But we use that data to serve up these really personalized questions and these personalized sequences of conversation that gave people who came to Adobe the right like kind of experience for where they are. And like I said, where they are in the journey, but what page they're on and who they are. And what that's allowed Adobe to do is increase the overall engagement and conversion rate of their website. But really what it's allowed them to do is get to pipeline faster. So they've been able to book over 5,000 meetings with Drift. They've influenced over 47 million in pipeline. And it's just shy of 11 million in influence revenue because they're increasing the top of the funnel engagement rates and they're helping buyers connect faster with ultimately the thing they're coming to Adobe to try to learn more about or find. And that ultimately provides a better brand experience and it's it's a better reflection of the brand. And they did this specifically with their Adobe Summit event in 2020. And they used Drift within that Adobe Summit event. A lot of our customers use the Drift conversational experience within an event. And they were able to engage like 100,000 registrants and they facilitated, was it 2,500 conversations, I think, within that. And again, that's just helping people with a simple question. Maybe it's a question of, hey, who's my account manager? Hey, can I talk to someone about this product? All in a real-time personalized way. I love that example. I appreciate that because it it brings it to life for me and it makes a lot of sense. It seems a critical component. Once getting all this up and going and, and connecting all the pipes, so to speak, I think showing your personality through the engagement from a brand personality standpoint, it seems to be something that could help set you apart. Do you agree? Is that something you coach people on as well? That's a great point. I'm, I'm really glad you made that point. 100% we help people really infuse their brand voice, their brand personality into how you design these conversational experiences. It's something our, our AI products will pick up on as well. We call it like there's a base model, right? There's a base AI model that has learned from millions of of B2B conversations with hundreds of thousands of different people, probably millions of people, in fact. And that's questions like, how much does it cost? What's the price, right? And it can, the answer to those questions can be then tweaked, of course, to each business. We'll help you train the model. We'll help, you know, do that with you, for you. But then... What will also help do is help you pick up on how to respond to that, those questions in the voice of your brand. And it's also, it's not just like the voice of your brand, but it's also helping people learn more about your business and brand through guiding them to that thing that they might know they're trying to find, but also that they might not have realized they were trying to find. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Because that's a beautiful thing of a conversation. It's one of the most dynamic things you can use, right? Like within your marketing, because it could go one way and then zig the other way and then zag the next way, all because of how the conversation is unfolding. And then not to mention, Alan, all the data that can come from that, right? All that first party data you get about your buyers and customers because of that conversation. And we then serve up that data to give marketers insights like, hey, did you know that these are your top three pages that are helping you book meetings with people? And did you know that a lot of people are asking a question about XYZ? You might want to create a piece of content about this. Like it's super insightful um, data that you can action very quickly. It makes a lot of sense and and frankly demystifies the buyer journey, right? Because we, we all know it's not linear. People don't come become aware of us and then they search for us and find us and go to our page, et cetera. It zigs and zags to use your terms uh, all over the place. And everyone that comes through has likely got a slightly different experience or journey that they went on. But this helps actually, one, document it with first party data, but two, allows for that zigzag and that customization or personalization to happen on the fly, which is cool. 100%. That's what we found in this study too, because people are becoming more and more frustrated about the lack of personalized buying experiences in the B2B context, in the B2B setting. Because so much of our lives, we're basically being trained to expect some type of level of personalization when we go to buy something. And then when you go to a website and you're looking to buy something on behalf of your business and it's hard, you can't find something, the navigation stinks, you can't find someone to help you. When you try to get someone to help you, it takes hours, if not days, if not longer than that for someone to get back to you. That's just basically not acceptable anymore. Or the classic example, even before all of that is you land on a page and it's a form and you're like, ah, the form wall. Like, I just wanted to ask a question or I just wanted to see this one little piece of whatever it is. So Drift itself has a very unique brand in the B2B space, in my opinion. And it seems like you're just giving your title in general, a VP of content and community, you're investing in content, you're investing in service, you're investing in education. One, why? And then two, what do you see as the payoff for that? Yeah, it's a good observation. We care a lot about brand. Fundamentally, we believe that brand is one of the only true differentiators left. Over time, more and more of what you sell and do will become commoditized or copied. Brand at the essence of it is really who you are at a deep level. I think a brand is like three things. Like what is like the soul of the business? What's the heart of the business? What's the mind of the business? And at the end of the day, think of your brand as a unique person. Every person on earth is, is unique in some ways and your brand should should be just that. So if you're trying to copy another brand, good luck. I, I, don't, I don't think that's a way to go by any means, but a brand that's trying to create a category and now is leading a category like Drift is has a responsibility to educate people and to empower people to join the movement to join this quest to change or transform or do something differently, like the classic Apple, like think different movements, get behind it. So naturally what I see is one of the greatest, you could call it igniters to a community 
is some type of content, some type of, of asset that gets people to first stop, think about it, read about it, watch it, believe in it, and then get them to, to follow or, or act or, or, or do something even greater than that. So I'll give you the example of Drift, right? That asset really in the early days was a podcast called Seeking Wisdom with David Cancel, our CEO, and, and our first VP of marketing, Dave Gerhardt. And I would say that was one of the, the things that sparked the Drift community and the Drift brand. Another thing we did was we created a very, you could say, different type of event called Hypergrowth. And that started back in 2017. We did an 18. We did it three times in 2019, reaching almost 10,000 people. And that event yeah, it was like networking and bringing people together and, and community building. But at the end of the day, though, too, it's it's about ideas. It's about storytelling. It, it, those are both core things to the Drift brand. It's about creating a dynamic you know, experience for people and to engage with people that are believing or are on the fence of believing or interested in believing and leaving people with this feeling, this sense of, oh, yeah, I can feel this inside of me. And I feel like what Drift is doing, I resonate with and this resonance that is so important to creating staying power in someone's mind. You have to be uniquely different. You have to be differentiated. Yeah, you can do that with your product. You can do that in other ways too. But fundamentally, we believe on the brand side of Drift that we are a brand that strives to be together creating this future of marketing and sales and that we believe everything starts with a conversation. And if everything starts with a conversation, then let's really empower people to have more conversations. That makes sense. It makes sense. And obviously to have a good conversation from time to time, you need to be knowledgeable or have content to share. And both of those things take content and education to be knowledgeable, to be, you have to have education. I'm curious, how do you see those two elements in particular, content and education, playing into the sales cycle and the life cycle of a customer? Education, you need content to create education. Education is just, is content structured in a way to help someone learn something, remember something, or master something. It's my opinion. Education can be more than just content, mind you. 100% should be more than just content. But what we believe is you need to have content that helps people see or, or start to understand, learn a little bit more about, about you. And that's more like the media side of your content strategy. That can be anything from podcast shows to newsletters to your blog. But it's a lot of the media stuff. Is, is, it's very branded content. It's, it's industry. It's not about you as much, right? It's really about amplifying things that are core to your brand, to your soul, to your heart, and to your mind but doing it through the help of other people, like including other people in your industry, in your category as part of that. Then you have like more of this content that's more middle of the funnel. That's more like about your solution, about your offering, right? And that's when you start to get into a little bit more of the structure type of education where you're trying to teach someone like the old way to the new way and how to make this leap, how to change and how to think about it a bit differently. And you need the value that this new approach can help them get to deliver, like the, the promised land. You need how to get to that promised land, how to get to that value, which is more like what's the strategy or what is the process you need to go through to get there. And then you need to give them 
the actual, in, in our case, the product or the technology in order to do that as well. Because at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're selling conversational marketing and sales platforms. So together, those three things, the, the technology, what you're selling, the platform, the product, plus the process and the strategy to get to that expected value, that promised value, that needs to be taught somehow. Either you do that in a you know one-to-many way, which is something we, of course, do through you know, our content and then our certification courses and our training, but you also do that through making sure your team is trained up on all this. So don't forget, marketing folks listening, your job as a marketer is not just to go to market from an external standpoint. Your job as a marketer is to do a lot of internal marketing to train your team about how to deliver on the promises you're making on their behalf in the market, not just in the sales process, but also in the customer success side of things. And so we really view the marketing team as the steward of all things, not just brand, but also of how do we fulfill the promise? So training your teams and working closely with the teams that help your success team and your service team really be able to exceed people's expectations I fundamentally believe is a job of marketing when it comes to a company who's looking to to lead a category, to grow a category, looking to do something differently. It, it, it can't just be something that you do in the beginning of the journey, to your point. It has to be through the entire journey of a customer all the way through to them becoming an advocate of the brand. Because the only way they're going to become an advocate is if you deliver on the value that you're promising them up front as part of this new way. I really love your comment. You said that marketing is the steward to fulfill the promise across the entire life cycle of that customer. I think that that was a great comment and I wholeheartedly agree with it too. And I think to your point, I think marketers sometimes forget that we have a lot of work to do internal to our organizations, not just external marketing that that the world might see. So anyway, I, I thank you for making those points. Great points. I love talking about this topic, but I'd love to switch gears too and get to know you a little bit better on a personal note. One of the my favorite questions I, I love to ask everyone that comes on the show is, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? I really can't pinpoint one experience. I'm, a, I'm an avid reader. I read way more than I watch TV. I don't watch a lot of TV at all. I almost never watch movies. Sounds crazy. So you could probably say I'm not very cultured, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But I read a lot of both fiction and nonfiction. I do think going through college, because I was, yeah, I had fun in college, but I also was very deliberate in my college life. Uh, So if I gave advice to young folks listening or folks even going back to school, like really don't be overly prescriptive or too deliberate in how you're going to approach your college or or academic experience, but do it with purpose. Have some sense of purpose to it. Uh, I ended up changing degrees like five times. It It might have been even more, but I think it was definitely five times over four years. I did graduate on time, but that allowed me to get like a wide variety of perspectives. Like I did engineering for a year. I definitely got a wide variety of things. And I think that's that wide variety of viewpoints, which is also something I still do today, I read a lot about a lot of different things, helps me connect dots. Like at the end of the day as a marketer, I think the best marketers are ones that are, yeah, stay very curious, but connect dots between different things happening at a micro, a macro level and a micro level and are connecting dots between different things in tangential industries, 
in tangential fields, and they're applying those things to their own marketing and to their own audience that they're trying to reach. So to answer your question directly, it's really about being this like dot connector, I think. And I learned that from my experience in college. Other than the advice you just gave to people, don't be so rigid in your path, especially through the college process, if you will. Is there any other advice you give your younger self if you're doing this all over again? Your gut is almost always right the first time, like almost always right the first time. So spend more time like listening to your gut and don't overthink things. Hard to do, but easy to say hard to do some days. <laughs> yeah, that's just, yeah, I mean, you just, I agree with you. You just got to be okay with saying, I'm not going to get everything right. But if you do that more often than not, then you'll start to see patterns. At the end of the day, all I think we're trying to do is feel, there's a lot of things that people are trying to do, so don't get me wrong. But there are foundational things I think are true, which is like the sense of purpose, right? The sense of belonging, the sense of safety, the sense of really feeling like you've had some type of impact. And I, I, I really believe that you can get to those things by, by making decisions faster, but being okay with not having all those decisions be right. But over time, if you do that, you'll start to see patterns and you'll start to have a higher batting average if you want to think of it from a baseball standpoint when you make those decisions down the road. Is there a topic that you're trying to learn more about today yourself or you think other people, other marketers should be learning more about? I've been studying this for, I guess, a long time. I'm doing that in quotes just because it hasn't been around for a long time. It's only been around since 2009, but I've been fascinated by blockchains really since 2015. So one of the things I think fundamentally we need to do, I actually, this is an epiphany that came to me in college, which is to survive as humans long-term, I think there's a few key things that have to happen. One of those things is I think we need to change the way that we as humans view money, think about money and view money. And I think it's going to come through a process of, tech, I think technology is going to have to help do that. I think education is going to have to help do that. I think there's some cultural things that will probably have to help do that. There's not one solution that's going to change how we as humans view money. But when the blockchain started to really take shape and I really start to understand it, I fundamentally think that is a very powerful thing that can change the way people view money and how money can be something that is much more equitable to a lot of people. So that's the reason I started to get so obsessed with it. But to me, this is that is a lot of what marketing on the B2B side is going to become, not just from like how organizations are structured, but how communities are formed or governed or managed, how all of these things, how you go to market, it's, it's going to be fundamentally different because of now this term called Web3, Web3.0. And there's so much to unpack in what Web3.0 really means. But underlying all of that is the concept of a decentralized ledger, aka a blockchain that underpins so much of what Web3, Web3.0 is being built on. So that was a long way again to answer your question, but I am super bullish and passionate about it. It's going to be messy. It's going to be, yeah, there's going to be a lot of losers. There's going to be a lot of big winners, but we're so early. I still think with all that. I 100% agree. And I've just recently started down the rabbit hole myself just to learn because I'm trying to understand. And I agree with you. I think there will be a fundamental shift. And it's actually like from somebody that, grew up in like web 1.0 and 2.0 
it's kind of hard to get your mind around what the potential for Web 3.0 is when you think about decentralized structures and governance, which we see now in the currency form of that, like Bitcoin and all the other cryptocurrencies. But that's going to come to communities. It's already coming to communities and how communities organize in Web 3.0. And it's going to probably go even further into governments and entities like that on a global scale, which is exciting and terrifying all at the same time. (laughs) But to your point, I think we are really early, probably not a lot to action right this minute other than buying when you feel like it's the right time to buy into cryptocurrency. This is not investment advice. Please don't take anything that we said as investment advice. Like that's the fun aspect of it for me right now. I also minted my first NFT the other day just because I wanted to see what the process looked like. And that was fun too, just to learn how to do it. Yeah, congrats. And that's the thing, right? Like it's not easy. It's not not intuitive at first. No. No, it's not easy. And, And that's where it's still so early, right? Like I remember I equate getting an NFT, it's probably worse than, let me not, it's probably equivalent to building a website using HTML and CSS. But then there was like Microsoft like front page and a few other services back in like the mid to late 90s. That's where we are with maybe some of this NFT stuff. Agreed. And from a like podcasting standpoint, I can't wait until like a streaming service or something that's built on blockchain so that we can start to think about how we monetize this thing <laughs> that we do every, that I do every week. There's actually a couple already. So if we want to do that after the show, I can let you know there's a couple already. Granted, are they going to be the winners? Who knows? But there's definitely a few out there already. On a personal note, are the, we know you don't watch a lot of movies or hardly any movies. You read a lot of books. Are there any brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should take notice of? I think there's so much to do with two things today that are top of mind for me that I, I really try to support and look out for. One is climate, because I think that's the other another big thing. And one is just equality, just across the board. I know I'm in a privileged position. I'm, you know, a privileged white male. So I, I need to pay that back. Like I need to I need to use that to help other people of other races, genders, everything, right? Like just across the board that that can really like hopefully take all of their potential and do something with it one day, do something great with it because everyone should have that opportunity. It's not nearly common enough, even, even in America. It's very sad. Whatever I can do on those fronts. So I'm, I'm a very, I think, generous person with my time. I probably say yes way too much. But at the end of the day, end of the day I view those times when I say yes. So if you like message me on LinkedIn, I will get back to you. If it's not within the next day or two, I'll get back to you within a week or two, guaranteed. And if you ask me for help, I am almost always going to you know, lend you 30 minutes or, or even 60 minutes of my time because I'll probably learn something through that conversation as well. So I just try to give back my time and yeah, I support things monetarily as well. But for me, it's just how can we work together talking about community and, and how can we work together to solve some of these really big issues that quite frankly need to be solved if we're going to you know, keep on going as a human race, I think. <laughs> Last question for you. What do you feel like is either the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers today? Focus. Tell me a little bit more. Look, we just talked about, oh, you chase Web 3.0. <laughs> you can do that. You can grow the brand and engagement. You got to get pipeline. You got to get you know meetings. You got to get pipeline. You got to serve the sales team. You got to you know serve the CEO. You got to serve the customers. Like what? Like <laughs> you got to use technology. You got to use conversational marketing. You got to you know, change your website. Your, it's like, where do you, how do you focus? It, it is, I think, by far 
focus number one and and then number two is a skill gap having the right skills because I, one of the things i did at hubspot is i created this this hubspot education partner program which i think is flourishing now you know there's thousands of schools that are part of it i remember doing it there was three schools as a as an alpha version of it way back in 2014 and 15 and that's all in service of helping people learn actual with practical very today centric marketing practices and sales practices because like they don't teach these things enough or at all in schools so like the second thing i'd say is just like a skills gap thing it's like where do you focus and then do you have or do you, does your team have the right skill sets to, to to actually execute those things and if you don't you're gonna you're gonna have to figure it out and luckily there's a ton of free education now out there to help you figure it out but through figuring it out you're gonna also then have to go back to what we talked about trust your gut because you're gonna have to make some gut type decisions but the lucky thing is like the marketing community, I think, especially in the B2B, B2C space is so willing to help out that you can go to a lot of people and they will help you out and they will give you real genuine advice and time. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I really enjoyed it as well. Thank you for having us and good luck in the, uh, in the quest to learn more about the, the future of the web because, uh, it's going to be quite the ride, I think, for everyone over the next you know, 10, 15 years. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. 